0: Hey, guys, don't forget to check out the Street Cop Training Conference 2023, April 23rd through the 28th, Nashville, Tennessee. The Gaylord at Opry, what a center, what a place. We have amazing speakers, amazing training, five of the most impactful days of your career. Check it out at streetcop.com. You do not want to miss out. There is a room code available for a discounted room. Sign up now at streetcop.com. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Street Cop Training Podcast. I'm your host, founder and CEO of Street Cop Training. Today I have with me a gentleman who has a great story to tell and helps with the intention of bringing awareness to a lot of issues that face law enforcement today. Uh, No other than a great gentleman, a 33 years in law enforcement, right, Mark?
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely, bro.
0: Mark DeBona. So, Mark, give us the one to two-minute version of who you are, the explanation, and what we're going to do here today.
1: Okay. Uh, well, my name is Mark DeBond. I was born and raised in Boston. Uh, I look. I now live in Florida. I did it the back, backwards route. Um, I was a cop in, in Massachusetts for eight years, then did 25 in Florida, where most cops from up north retire in Florida. I, I did a little bit early. So um, I was on the job for 33 years. Um, I, I loved it. It was, it was a great, great job. Um but I didn't realize there was a dark side to the job. And the uh, dark side of the job is is mental health and uh, bullying, bad administrators, uh, lack of support from the the, the, uh, department, from the public a lot of times. And it was uh, very, very uh, disturbing actually. And um, during my career, I was a field training officer. I was a 19 year sergeant, I retired as a patrol sergeant. I was an academy instructor, public information officer, uh, peer support unit. Uh, critical incident member unit, street crimes unit. Uh, I've been retired now for about um, three years, uh, hence the long here. You know, this is called retirement, man. You know, I, I, I love, love, love retirement. Uh, I've been married for almost 31 years. Uh, I've been together with her for 36. You no, know, I don't have the typical cop relationship. I'm, I'm married to the same woman for about 31 years. So uh, that's, that's not a bad thing. Uh, I'm a Christian. But I really, truly believe in the brotherhood. I, I, I love our brothers and sisters. Uh, I truly, truly do. And I'm also I, I'm an old school cop. I, I, I think old school ways. Um, sometimes that fits in, sometimes it doesn't, unfortunately. but but I, I, a passion of mine is mental health wellness and suicide prevention. And I'm sure we're gonna talk about that shortly. And uh, I had two suicide attempts in my career. And, you uh, know, maybe become an advocate to help our brothers and sisters who are struggling and hopefully put bring the numbers down when it comes to suicide.
0: I say that's pretty progressive and not old school and uh, something that we certainly can appreciate in the profession of uh, law enforcement. Right. I, will, I would also agree with you that this is a brotherhood and a sisterhood that is addicting. And <clears throat> I think we're attracted to it because it, it has. Probably the highest quality of pure-hearted people that you'll ever meet in your life. Who really, when they wear that thin blue line flag logo, whatever it may be, it does say we are here for one another. I may not know you; I don't have to know your name, but because I know that you do the same thing that I do, I'm going to be there for you.
1: Oh, absolutely! You know, I mean, the cliche phase is you know, one big, one big family, one big happy family. Yeah, and to a point, we are. Yeah, absolutely, we are. But when you uh, get on the job and you start understanding the job, uh, it's just it's such an amazing feeling. You know, yeah. you can go from from California to New York to Maine to Florida and you tell another cop, hey, I'm a cop or I'm a retired cop or, uh, you know, yeah, right Right away. You just have that instant connection. You really, really do. Yep. A, lot, a lot of people don't realize also is the bad population of police officers, which is very, very low, very, very low. Uh, we don't want them. We don't want them on the job either. No, not at all. get rid of them. They're, they're no good, you know, but a lot of people unfortunately think that we 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 tolerate bad police. and I rally, we don't. That's why we have to have very good training for our officers to eliminate that and to have a very successful career and uh, and, and be proud of their career also. I'm very proud of my career. i i, I made i made mistakes in my career absolutely, like any other cop did. But for the most part, it was a great career, and and, um, it it was actually an amazing career, to be honest with you. I I loved it, loved it, loved it.
0: One thing I've been thinking about recently is really, I believe that we have to start introducing significant quality leadership into the recruit programs. So instead of worrying about marching and flag bearing and all that stuff, let's spend 10 to 15 hours explaining what good leadership is and plant those seeds for the future. What's your thoughts on that?
1: Oh, oh, no doubt whatsoever. No doubt. And as a saying I use all the time is, I've worked for several supervisors, but very few leaders. And we have to instill our new cops and our cops that are in the academy that are, are striving to become leaders, not supervisors, become leaders. Because you lead by example. That's it. As a sergeant of 19 years, I profess that. I led by example. I went out there and made arrests, wrote tickets, answered calls. But most of all, I had the guys and girls' backs. And that, and that goes a long, long way. Yeah, you're right. We can, you know, we can go into the Academy, teach them this and teach them that, you know, that's good. That's great or whatever, you know, but when it comes to like officer survival, don't forget leadership comes with that also a poor leader or a poor supervisor can lead a cop down a career uh, down a path of destruction, whether it's on a shooting call or mental health or, or bullying or something like that. So leadership is paramount in law enforcement. And unfortunately sometimes sometimes when people get promoted they get promoted for the wrong reasons they want to be a boss now you know from being up north we we use the expression for our supervisors as boss you know right. um, and uh, and I, I understand that but a good lead, a good leader takes the time to care about their people
0: well we use the same lingo here we're in jersey mark right right same thing and i got to tell you the culture of the northeast is unique in itself but when you compare Jersey guys and girls to Boston guys and girls, it's pretty close. It's like we're uh, we're like Neanderthal brotherhoods of oh, cultures, almost the same exact thing. Ball breaks
1: Separate, Separated at birth. That's how I look at it. Yeah.
0: yeah. You could just tell by a little bit of a different yeah. accent.
1: Yeah. 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 And I get the better of the two. So, yeah. <laughs> so. so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So let's go into, you know, what you're doing now to raise awareness and then tell us your story.
1: Uh, Well, I'm a co-founder of Protecting the Guardian. We're a very, very small organization, and our goal is to get the word out about mental health. And the cliche statement of it's okay not to be okay. We want officers to understand that mental health illness, or mental health uh, situations in their career will happen. Uh, Every cop in in this world can close their eyes and think of one incident where, um, wow, I I can't believe I, I, I survived that. Oh, that was the most horrific event that I ever experienced in my life. And uh, so, so what, what, what? You know, my goal and, and the goal of my team also, and I'm sure you're right on board with this, is to have a healthy cop out there, mentally and physically, obviously. And so, our goals, you know, we do peer, su- I, you know, I do peer support training, I do suicide prevention training. Um, I, I go to conferences, I speak at conferences, I go into police cabins and talk about this. And, um, I'm a, such a huge, huge advocate of mental health wellness. Um, it's kind of weird when I retired, actually my mental health wellness went up. Um, because not that I didn't like the drugs. I loved the job. It was a different life that I was living now. And, uh, and we all know a cop, you know, there's a cop 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And, um, it was tied down to our cell phones, tied down to our emails, but we have to understand there's life after the job, but there's also life during the job too. You don't have to work every overtime shift, every off-duty job, or anything like that. So we want to, we want to dent the numbers. as As of um, about three days ago, at the SMA suicides right now is around 70 this year. That's obviously 70 too many. Yeah, you know. It, uh, in 2019, we lost 249 officers to suicide. This is unheard of. This is this is we've got to do better. And we need advocates but we have to also be advocates for ourselves for our own well-being uh and how I got involved in it was um I w- was you know obviously was on the job and um, I, I, a lot of events uh, I went to 911 when when the towers were hit um I was up there three days after the towers were hit and I was up there <clears throat> excuse me I was up there for two weeks and uh, I saw a lot of death and destruction and uh it was nasty. And uh, when I came back to Florida after my two-week tour up there, now, granted, I didn't do what NYPD did or FDNY or the cops that work in that area and all first responders that work. You know, I didn't, I wasn't up there the whole time, but I did experience it. And it was, it was, it was mind-blowing. It really was. When I came back to Florida, I started having some nightmares from it. And, um. It, it like I, I would go to like a fire or I'd go to a death scene and right away I would start thinking about that. I would start thinking about nine 11. So during my, uh, during my, my career, um, I started working for a, a, a micromanagement boss that was really, um, he just wasn't a good boss. He was not cut out to be a good boss by, by any means, very condescending, very company oriented. The company came first, the guys came second. And, you know, I use a line all the time is that, um, you may love the job, but the job doesn't love you. Um, and, and unfortunately that's true. Yeah, you know, as much as I hate to say it, it, it's it's definitely true. Well, he became to the point where it became belittling to me, you know, talking down to me. Uh yeah, I I just believe me, I I can I can take ridicule, I can take the, uh, the, the the cop humor. I I love that stuff. I I I get it. But when it when it starts building on you and building on you, eventually it's you get sick of it. And if I could back up for a second, um, you know I'm an open book. in my childhood um I grew up in a single parent home. My mother raised three of us in, a, in pretty much a two two or three room apartment that was the size of a closet. and uh, being a single parent home uh, you know my mother my mother dated she was dating a cop for a little while and um, this cop started taking me to ball games and you know to hanging out with me and stuff I'm like, oh, this is cool. When I was about 10, 11 years old. I'm like, this is amazing. But he also turned it into sexual abuse. Whoa! And yeah, yeah, and that's uh, at first it was difficult to talk about. Now it's not difficult to talk about it. And uh, you got to remember one thing, bro: uh, your personal life affects your, your, your law enforcement career, you know, one one way or another. So um, during the ridicule in the um, in, in during the uh, while I was on the job, my my abuser, uh, you know, like I said, was a police officer. Um, he would call me precious. And there's a thing in a mental health world called a trigger. Something triggers you, obviously upsets you. And uh, my abuser used to call me his precious little boy. And uh, that would, right there, I would zone in on that. So I started having uh, PTSD issues from that. Uh, Started having nightmares of my abuser. Um, When I I go to sexual abuse calls, you know, I'll be honest with you, I wanted to rip that guy's head off, the bad guy's head off, you know, because I envisioned what happened to me as a child. Yo, thank God I didn't rip that guy's head off, but also I wanted to, you know, so it got to the point where I, I didn't want to go to work anymore. Uh, I was having panic attack, panic attacks at work. Uh, I got a bad evaluation. Uh, I was always, I, I hate to sound like I'm bragging, but I, I was a damn good cop. And uh, I always had exceeded standards of valuations. Uh, it turned right around to below standards. So I started, um, I started self-medicating, started drinking heavily. Um, started having pity parties for myself. That started affecting my marriage, started affecting my, my job performance at work, where I became the exact opposite of what I used to be, a fun-loving, great guy, started giving away things that I enjoyed, stopped doing things I started. Enjoy- I was enjoying. Uh, my wife said to me, um, you got to get help. My answer to her was, you're not a cop. You don't get this. Obviously, that didn't go over well. Uh, my wife's a nurse worked in the emergency room for years. She, she gets stressed. She gets trauma. And that, so that affected my marriage also affected me physically. And what I mean by physically was I gained a lot of weight when I stress out. I'm a binge eater when I, when I stress out. And uh, I got, I got up to about 289 pounds in, in probably three or four months. So I didn't like my appearance also, but most of all, bro, when I, um when I looked in the mirror, I didn't see who I, who, I didn't like that person in the mirror and uh, I, I i was it was just it, it was just, i was i just was so down but i put the fake i put the fake smile on and i'm like ah yeah i'll, I'll get i'll get over this i'll get through this or, or whatever but it was yeah you know, i was in denial and it was exact opposite of what i should have been doing as far as self-care goes so uh i got an evaluation below standards at eval i you know we, we had an appeal process obviously but that doesn't happen overnight and, uh, I, I, really hit home for me because I thought that I believed I was going to lose my job or at bare minimum get demoted. And I, I didn't want that. So I started, I started, um, I'm going to use the word super, super, I started supervising the way my boss started supervising. I started becoming, I started belittling people a little bit, I Started distance myself from the shift. Uh, I, I was a working sergeant. I was very, very much involved in my shift and, um, so during the process of the evaluation time, you know, this is weighing over my head. I was afraid to go to sleep. Uh, I was afraid I was gonna have nightmares. I was, uh, of, of my abuser. So uh, during the course of this time, I was sitting in a, in a fire station parking lot and the FD went out on the call. It was about one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. This lady pulls in and um, she jumps out of her car. and She hands me her baby. She was, my baby's not breathing. It was it about was four months old. I checked his pulse. I'm like, you know, that's no shit factor yeah, You know, and, uh, I checked his pulse, started doing CPR, called, called, called for an ambulance, went down to the hospital. Um, I was in the room when they pronounced the baby dead. That was just traumatic, absolutely traumatic. Um, I said to the doctor, I don't get this. And he started explaining to me about the book of life back then. I wasn't a Christian. So the book of life really meant nothing to me. Um, so I, I, uh, I flipped out in the emergency room, I went out to my cruiser, I had a serious panic attack, started crying, couldn't catch my breath. I put my cruiser in reverse, I backed into I backed into an ambulance, because um, I'm just not paying attention. So to it, kind of uh, give a summary of it, I'm mad at God, I'm mad at my wife, I'm mad at the job, I'm mad at my boss, I'm mad at my, my friends. I did reach out to a, to a coworker that I thought very highly of that I thought was my buddy, and told him the stuff that's going on, and uh, his exact words to me is, "Bro, I'm trying to get promoted. Don't burden me with this." So I thought the brotherhood just went right out the window. There, I'm like, I, you know, I, dude, I go, I go into a gun battle for you. I, I, I would, I would take a bullet for you, and you're not gonna let me vent, and let me talk, and that really upset me. So the nightmares started continuing. Um, uh, but now, that now the now the the added was the baby was now in my nightmares also. So it got to the point where I would like sit up straight in my bed because I was afraid to fall asleep because I didn't want these nightmares. So I had some lack of sleep issues, some insomnia issues. And then uh, one night it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I sounds really weird when I say this, but uh, I was sitting in my cruiser. I was parked in an industrial park and I started hearing voices and I could hear the voice of my abuser calling me worthless, uh, calling me a POS, um, telling me that, you know, everybody hates you. And it, that's what abusers do. Abuses are bullies, and um, so I, I just couldn't take it anymore. So I wrote a suicide note. And um, one thing about suicide, it's not about dying; it's about stopping the pain. And I thought that was—I thought that was—I thought that was the answer at the time. So I wrote the suicide note. On the first page, I wrote to, wrote to the agency. I was extremely nasty to the agency. Second page, I wrote to my mom. She was still alive back then, and to my wife. I called myself a coward. Called myself a pos. I called dispatch. I asked the dispatcher who the uh, on-call homicide detective was. Kevin to find out it was a very close friend of mine. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, she'll, she's, a, she's the one who's gonna work my homicide, uh, my suicide. So I um, pumped myself up, got, got really, really pumped up and uh, put the gun in my mouth. And as strange as this sounds, when I put the gun in my mouth, it was actually very calming, which is kind of weird. You know, uh, suicide you know again it's it's not about dying it's about stopping the pain so i put my head back in the headrest and i started squeezing the trigger as i'm squeezing the trigger a car pulls up next to me was another cruiser it was a uh, fellow deputy who's actually a really good friend of mine and uh, he talked me down I, I very bluntly told him i'm, you know, I'm here to kill myself and uh, he talked me down i went home from work early that night and he said to me if you don't get help, I'm going to be at your house at six o'clock tomorrow morning. And I'm going to Baker actually, which is the three-day mental health commitment. To, that's what they call it in Florida. So I went home, um, went out and sat by my pool, started drinking heavily, had the gun back at my pool, and um, started getting the thoughts again. And I'm like, okay, this time nobody's going to stop me. I live in a very rural area. Gunshots are actually very common in my area because it's, it's very rural. And um, I had some music playing, and I started pumping myself up again. And uh, as a Christian, the, the, I believe that the Lord works in mysterious ways. And uh, so that's a twofold uh, statement. So I hit shuffle on my um, on my uh, music and uh, the song called Even the Nights are Better. Don't judge. Even the Nights are Better uh, by Air Supply came on. And that was my wedding song to my wife. I hit shuffle again. It came on again. I'm like, OK, what's this? Hit it The third time came on again. And I'm like, this, this is this is crazy. So I started thinking about the trauma that I would leave my wife now, that was she come downstairs, and she go to the pool deck, and there I am laying there. Uh, but I did put the gun back in my mouth. And then I said, I, 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 I got to get help. Uh, this is not the mock to that I know uh, that I, 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 I got to get help. So I decided to go to Boston to get help. And the reason why I did that, I didn't want my job to know what I was doing, because I was afraid I was gonna be fired uh placed on the rubber gun squad uh be reassigned pick for duty that type of thing so i made up this bs story uh to my job said my mother was sick i'm going to boston for a week or two to check on her uh, i lied to my wife and said yeah i need some time away and uh i was in, I ended up being baker active in massachusetts uh actually a buddy of mine baker, baker active, that i went to the academy with in massachusetts so i um I went through the process of, of this over of there. And it, it honestly, it, it didn't help me at all um, because cops are good liars. Now that, you know, a, a lot of it's my fault. Yeah, I take full responsibility for all my actions. I lied my way through that process, came back to Florida, came back very angry, very pissed off. Uh, rumors started flying that I, you know, I pulled my gun on, on on my sheriff, on my on my lieutenant. I had a breakdown. Well, I did have a breakdown. That was true. But people didn't talk to me anymore. Um people said to me, Listen, I I I can't work with you. You, you, you got to screw loose. You should you shouldn't be carrying a gun. And that really floored me, bro. That again, the brotherhood, man. Wh- Where is the brotherhood with this? You know, if I was hurt physically on the job, they, they would have their arm around me. Hey, what can I do for you? A very, very few people reached out to me. And that, that really hurt. It, it, it truly hurt me. Um, so so when I started becoming an advocate for mental health. Once I started feeling better, you know, going to therapy, um, going on medication, um, I went to a fit for duty uh, evaluation. I decided to become an advocate. But when I spoke in my presentations or I spoke at the academy, um, I spoke very angry. And by nature, I'm a very fun loving. I like to bust balls. I like to joke around. uh, I like to laugh. That wasn't in my presentations. And I'm like, yeah, this this is not good. So I turned it around completely, and uh, not bragging, I've been pretty successful with it now. My life has changed considerably. Now my faith has also helped me. Also, my wife is my my backbone. My my wife had my back through my worst times and my best times, and um, I, I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her, and if it wasn't for my buddy that pulled up next to me when I was in the cruiser. So I'm to. Tr- I've turned my life around. You know, I still have my, I still have issues. You know, I, I'm diagnosed with PTSD, depression, anxiety. It's not as bad as it used to be, but I still, I still have my, I still have my nightmares still have, I still get triggered on some things, but now I know how to control it. And, and I don't control it through anger and through frustration. I control it by let's get through this. I can't change the past. And I've realized also that I can't get things in life. I can't control. I just can't. So I don't get pissed off about it anymore. So I worked 11 years under those conditions of PTSD and the other illnesses. Um, It was, it was tough. It, 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 it especially when I went to a suicide call. That was very, very difficult. Um, but I again, I'm not taking anything away from our brothers and sisters that made the ultimate sacrifice. I, I'm not making I'm not taking any away. They should be honored 100 percent. I have nothing but love and respect for our brothers and sisters that died in the line of duty. But let's take a look at the officers Now, uh, now are taking their lives while they're active cops and retired cops. We need to we need to honor them. And we need to have training for our cops from the day you walk into the academy up to retirement. And we also have to have training for people that are getting close to retirement. A lot of people don't know how to retire. You know, as you know, our, our job is our identity. And uh, I didn't know how to retire. I, you know, filled up my paperwork and walked out the door. I'm like, all right, what do I do now? Um, but I, but I was able to fall back onto, uh, you know, uh, the mental health wellness and the mental health uh, advocate that I am. So I had something in my life to keep me busy and uh, but I also have no problem laying on the couch and watching TV and or or anything like that so that's kind of the read digest version of it but you know life is good now life is great right now it really really is but I still I still fight the demons like anybody else does you know um, but I've learned now how to how to uh, fight back but fight back in a uh, a good way don't go off the handle like you know mf this and blah 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 and you know, throwing your hands up in the air on you No, not now. I, now I just look at my life a lot differently. And my goal is obviously, is to reach out and help my brothers and sisters and the, and their families also and their families need to understand the traumas of the job also. And, and more so as much as I hate to say it, administrators need to understand this, they really need to understand that they've got to stop throwing away bad officers. And they have really got to get on focus. Again, like I said earlier, about a physical injury. Everybody's all about a physical injury. We're going to help them, workers comp, all that stuff, and I'm all about that. But if an officer is struggling, then we got to help them also. And we, we're not going to throw them away because they had a suicide attempt, or because now they're on medication, or they're, have, they're having PTSD issues. I worked eleven years, eleven years with PTSD, and I did, I did get triggered at work t- at times. I absolutely, I did. Did have panic attack at work but it got a lot different now because I knew how to control that. So education is paramount. That's the bottom line.
0: What happened to your father?
1: Uh, my, my parents, my parents were divorced when I was two years old. I wouldn't know my dad if he walked into my house right now. I, I have no idea. I know his name. Uh, I know my mother used to say he looked like John Travolta. So so maybe that's where I got my good looks from. I, 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 I don't know. Uh, well,
0: the hair now matches John Travolta in Pulp Fiction.
1: And I do, bro, I hear that all the time and I love every minute of it. <laughs> so I hear it all the time. Yep. Old Vince from Pulp Fiction. Yep. So, but yeah, I don't know what happened to him. I, I have no idea.
0: Tell me about your siblings. You had brothers, sisters.
1: Yeah. I have a younger sister of two years. Uh, she's two years younger than me. She went through a difficult time in her life. Also, she got att- addicted to heroin. Um, she had, uh, she was probably arrested probably 50 times. Uh, that was hard for me as a cop to see that. That was really, uh, and I'll be honest, with you, when I say this, I disowned her at one time uh, because I just didn't understand the struggles that she was going through. Because, you know, all, all I knew was she was she was overdosing, she was you know using heroin. She is now she is now a Christian also. She has um, she has turned her life around com- completely. You know, we uh, we we, you know, we we're, we're, we're together again, and that was a huge step in both of our lives to come come to each other's levels. And we have a great respect for each other, and obviously a great love for each other. Uh, I have a brother; he's seven years younger than me. Uh, he lives here in Florida. My sister lives in Massachusetts. Um, he is probably by far one of the most hardest workers. I mean, he works works for a grocery store. He's like he's the 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 ideal employee. He just works his butt off. Just really res. He's never got in trouble. Uh, great guy. We have a. Me and him have a great relationship. We we love hanging out and. Uh, we could talk about anything, and he's just a great, great guy.
0: What were some of the things it was prior? And I'm going to come back to the abuser situation. I'm going to just touch on it briefly. I don't want to dig too deep. But what was life like for you guys growing up in a household with a single mother and three kids with no father? And I'm guessing it's some level experiencing indigency.
1: It was difficult. It was difficult because my mother worked three jobs. Wow. Uh, and she also she also became an alcoholic. Um, oh, wow. And that was hard to see her getting up at five, six o'clock in the morning and, and drinking some wine before she went to work or a shot or something like that. That was difficult. Uh, my mother, how old were you when that started? Uh About uh probably about 10 or 11 years old. You're young. Yeah. Yeah. And uh to see that was very difficult because I saw how it started affecting her life. And honestly, it affected our lives, too. But she, by, she's my role model, my mother, because my mother got sober. And just became this amazing, well, she was always an amazing person. I don't take that it's truly, uh, truly amazing person. She never took a penny from the government. She worked three jobs. The only day off she had was Sunday. And for being Italian, Sunday was our was, was our, our dinner day, she would make these huge dinners. and uh, just just a truly amazing person. But I saw the pain that she was going through. So when I turned 16, I, I quit high school. And uh, and took on took on two jobs, a full time job and a part time job. And then when I turned 19, I went back and got my GED because I want obviously I wanted to be a cop. And uh, but at 16, I felt that I had to give something back to my family. You know, I was the oldest, um, and I had to do what's right for my family. And my mother, you know, to the day she died, was an extremely powerful woman, really, really powerful woman.
0: That's very impressive. This is a lot about your character, that you at 16 recognized what you had to do for your family. Right. I think uh, that needs to be acknowledged, that that was quite impressive as a human being.
1: Well, thanks, bro. And I got to be honest with you, it came with a lot of embarrassment. Uh, Your your high school dropout. And that comes with a stigma, obviously. Uh, You know, and that was difficult. And then when I uh, went back and got my GED, um, I could tell people looked down upon me because I had a GED. And then when I decided to start applying for police jobs, I would hear quite a bit, oh, you've, you've got a GED, huh? Yeah, yeah, I do, and they would look at you kind of funny, and then when I told them why I got a GED and what happened, and then oh, okay, that's that's cool. I get, I get that. I get that. You know, and it was difficult because my, you know, I, I didn't go to my prom. Um, you know, I I left a lot of friends behind when I when I left school, and then when I was working the two jobs, honestly, I didn't have t- much time to socialize because I was I was working so much. But it made it gave me a satisfaction. It gave me back give. I gave something back to my family, but more so, I gave something back to my mom. My mom was able, actually able to slow down working a little bit, also, which uh, which was great. Uh, and that, that was really good. My mother became sick through the years, and uh, yeah, I hate to sound again like I'm bragging, but but I took good care of her. I I, I re- financially uh, support everything. I took really good care of her because she deserved it.
0: Well, I'll share something with you that's not known publicly. That I'm uh, a guardian for. A, I have an older brother who's significantly disabled i'm his guardian and i take care of him God so bless you, man.
1: That's i understand
0: i don't say that to look for accolades but i understand what it's like to have to be there for somebody because they kind of don't really have anybody else um although he has other people you know i am the financier of his life and i'm thankful that the good lord has been kind enough to me to provide enough substance and sustenance in my life to be able to spill some of that over to provide a good life for him.
1: Amen, my brother. That that's yeah. a, that's absolutely beautiful. You should be proud of yourself, man. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm proud of you, man. I know you're yeah, yeah, you, I'm you proud know, of you, man. you know,
0: I, I think that you and I are probably cut from the same cloth of um doing the right thing is always the right thing. And absolutely. Could I ever I, say to myself I could have done something but didn't. Mm-hmm. And you know there are things that come along with Uh, a lot of that. I think, you know, and I'm not comparing my trauma to yours uh, because I wouldn't wish it on anybody, Uh, but everybody's carrying some burden and I want everybody to know that it's okay to be okay with the burdensome of your childhood or things you're dealing with now because uh, it kind of builds who you are and and, and allows you to go out and set an example if you use it the right way to do kind things for other people.
1: And, and i look at it this way also if I, if i can interact and kudos to you once again man that, that's that's absolutely beautiful um I'm, I'm not a victim of sexual abuse i'm not a victim of mental health illness i'm not a victim of two suicides i'm a survivor and that's huge and i'm also a warrior and we know in the police work warriors are huge that's that's and you are also that's what we are we we're not oh, poor me poor me this was horrible um it did suck actually it's, it sucked really bad. But now I've learned that, listen, I can't change the past. And if I can change somebody's life or do something right for somebody, that's their reward. I'm not looking for a pat on the back, not not by any means.
0: You're very much like me. And the first time I ever met with a therapist, the first thing she told me was, oh, you're a survivor.
1: That's exactly who you are. Mine told me the same thing. Wow. (laughs) That's funny. That's Yeah. And when I, when she said survivor, I went, I went, what? And she goes, no, you're not a victim. You're, you're, you're a survivor. You're able to talk about, it. you're able to move on. She was, it's not going to, you're not going to be able to move on like the next day. It's, it's going to be a work in progress, obviously, but you will, you will progress. And through the years we have progressed.
0: You know, I, I, um, I find it interesting and I'm very much, you know, fascinated by yeah. mental health and constantly looking at myself and again I'm fortunate enough to be somebody who does not suffer from mental health issues uh, I've never had any and I'm thankful but I also acknowledge that that's a very very big blessing and I want to express to people that maybe years ago I would have been judgmental but I think there's a real decent paradigm shift in the world when you can go from judgmental to compassionate and oh, absolutely. I've been working on that a lot in my past year of my life. Um, and maybe the past few years of my life, but really, really much more in the last three to four months of understanding compassion before I make my judgment, trying to understand why.
1: Right. And I, and you you actually nailed it there because I was that person that was judgmental when it came to mental health. I would go to suicide calls and I would read the note, and the note would say, you know, I um I uh, I, I and I hate using the word kill themselves." I I, I use the word uh, "died by suicide," but the note would say, I, "I killed myself because I lost my job. I'm a loser, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And I would say, I would stand there. I think to myself, "You know, why can't you just get another job?" You know, because I I didn't I didn't have the compassion then. Uh, I I thought like a cop. I thought that the cops don't have compassion because they do. But I you know I, I'm here to do a job. I got to do this. I got to do that. On and on and on. And then I started developing empathy every cop has to carry in, in their tool bag has to carry empathy with them. you got to understand that people make mistakes that it, whether it's malicious or not malicious, and you've got to really have that empathy for somebody that's struggling. And I struggled with that early in my career. Um, mid career, I struggled with it a little bit, but after I had my, my breakdown, I guess that's what the path God sent me down was you know, the path of empathy and compassion. And so I, I, I when I after my suicide attempt, it was tough to go to them. Those type of calls, it was very tough. tough sometimes we to go to it, but I was very empathetic and very compassionate to the family also. And and I and I'll be honest with you, I would say a prayer to the person that was that was there, the person that, that took their life. I I would pray for them. I'm like God, you know, please please help this person, you know, and, and help their families also.
0: Have you ever heard the book The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People?
1: I've heard it. Yes, I have, actually. Yes. Have. Okay, so the
0: author is Stephen Covey, and I've said this excerpt from his book on the podcast a while back when we first started. And I think it's a perfect time to bring it up again. It's about paradigm shift and judgment. And Mark, I used to actually read it in my class. I don't need more. And there's a reason why I don't. And it's not because it doesn't have substance and power. It's for other reasons and kind of like there are just other things that I have to get through in the time that I have.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I, I, I understand.
0: So let me read this excerpt from you and he writes this, uh, this paradigm shift in his life. I was riding on a subway on a Sunday morning in New York. People were sitting quietly reading papers and resting with their eyes closed. It was a peaceful scene. Then a man and his children entered into the subway car. The man sat next to me and closed his eyes, apparently oblivious to his children who were yelling, throwing things, even grabbing people's papers. Couldn't believe he could be so insensitive. Eventually, with what I felt was unusual patience, I turned to him and said, sir, your children are disturbing people. I wonder if you couldn't control them a little bit more. The man lifted his gaze as if he saw the situation for the first time and said, oh, you're right. He said softly, I guess I should do something about it. He just came from the hospital where their mother died about an hour ago. I don't know what to think. And I guess they don't know how to handle it either. Suddenly I saw things differently because I saw it differently, I felt differently, I behaved differently. My irritation vanished. I didn't have to worry about controlling my attitude or my behavior, my heart filled with compassion. Your wife died. Oh, I'm so sorry. Can you tell me about it? What can I do to help? Everything changed in an instant. The first time I read that, I was like, that was one of those life-changing moments for me. I like to share it with people because I had realized who I was, and I don't think it was a major shift, but at least was a shift for me to start understanding why is somebody doing that? Why did they not do that? Why are they acting that way? Why are they seeing me that way?
1: That, that's deep, that's deep. And you wanna hear a funny story about, about that? Yeah. You when you, when you when you said that, my wife walked over, she's in the kitchen, and she walked to the other side of my computer, my laptop here, and she goes, that book's on a, a bookshelf, <laughs> so, so, so it's over. It's over the bookshelf there somewhere. So that's funny. So I'm gonna I'm gonna break that out and read. It. I've never read it. So I'm gonna read it.
0: Yeah. It's a great book. It's really it's worth the time and effort. Um going back a little bit, did your mother know about the abuse that was going on? Did she ever find out?
1: No, no, and, and that's actually a great question. Uh no, uh I, at one time I um I, I thought about telling her. But her last, um, probably last seven years, eight years on Earth, she was an assisted living. Uh, she her health, her health was failing very fast. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought one time we, we were together, and I thought maybe telling her that. But I just, I just the reason why I didn't, I wanted her to die, a, die in, uh, die in peace. And I don't want her. You know, when I left, when I left to go back to Florida, she's thinking about that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I chose not to. Um, and um, I'm sure she's listening to me right now. There's no doubt that she's not. And um, it was it, I just didn't I didn't want to hurt her. I didn't want her to think it was her fault. Oh, I brought this I brought this guy in. I brought this guy into uh, into our, our our home. Or I let him hang around with uh, you know my son. Uh, and some people you know they'll 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 take the blame for it. And I didn't want her to go that through that pain. Um, I didn't tell my brothers and sisters also until about maybe five or six years ago. That's when I told them and uh, they told me that they were never abused by this person, which I was very thankful for. Um, the only other person I ever told was my wife when we were, um, um, after we were married, actually, I told my wife, my, my wife about it. Um, I just felt that nobody needed to know. And, and I'll be honest with you. I, I was probably embar- embarrassed by it. Um, and uh, I just felt that it was nobody's business but my own, and I didn't. And, but it, but yeah, it, I I it was right here all the time, all the time. Now that I'm open about it, 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 it actually feels better, you know. Um, as as a Christian, we're taught to forgive. Um, I'm trying to forgive him. I'm, I'm not gonna lie; it's a struggle. It it, it really is. And uh, God God will set me down that path. Um, uh, I I don't know anything about him. I don't know if he's. I, I I do I do know I do know he's 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 dead. I do know that uh but i just um it was it was part of my life it' an experience that i have to that i went through um it wasn't the most it wasn't the greatest experience by any means and uh but um it's just the path that i went down that's that's it happens
0: i'm sorry that it had to happen
1: well thank you brother i i i, I appreciate that uh, i i truly truly do and you know something it, it, it kind of took it it, it kind of took it to a higher level and what i mean by this is sound really weird or shallow or however i want to word it but being abused by a police officer, uh, a man that I really looked up to And all my life. I wanted to be a cop and a person I'm like, Oh my God, this is gonna be like my father figure now. Um, you know, and then uh, that, that just took it to another notch. It, it, it really, really did. And um, it, it was, it was, it was weird. It was really, really weird. And then when I, when I went back to tell my story, when, when I was being bullied, you know, uh, by my boss, was who was also a police officer it was just like minus the sexual abuse it was the same it was bullying because as we know sexual abuses of bullies so it was tough do you have kids no we don't we have two dogs so we know no no kids at all we have a um, kind of a funny story we, we have a german shepherd his name is romeo uh he's a service dog and uh full-fledged service dog the whole nine yards. and that's gonna sound really weird when i say this but he failed the class Yeah. There's no written exam as far as I know. So, so, and what he does, he does, he doesn't do well in public. He does. uh, He's very, he's, he's skittish in public. Um, But he, but he works off my emotions. Um, I had a nightmare a couple of weeks ago. He dove on the bed. Um, He's very loving. Um, He takes good care of me. He really, he really, really does. And, uh, and uh, so kind of a funny story about that. Um, We have a small dog. She's a rat terrier. She's about 20 pounds. And um, so we call her uh, Romeo, service dog, as he failed the class. <laughs> so yeah, oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, and they're great dogs. Yeah, we we have no, we have got kids. Uh, no kids by choice. We we just decided this is not for us.
0: Understood and respect. And yes. um, you know, I think it's you know, who am I to cast opinions, but um, people get very judgmental again when somebody doesn't or opts to not have children, and. As a father of four, I can almost tell when somebody didn't want to have kids and had kids.
1: Sure. Oh, oh, I, I see that all the time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I got to tell you, for me, being a father of four and what I consider to be the best father I can possibly be, every day I say to myself, "At the end of the day, could I, was I the best father I could be?" And I have to balance it with this, you know, rapidly growing company, and it's just a constant game. There's no set. This much, that much, this much, that much. It's kind of, it's, it's, people find it often embarrassing to have to explain why I didn't have kids. And I don't think you have to explain it. I think that it was a perfectly, perfectly great explanation, it just wasn't in the cards, It's not what you wanted to do. And I respect you for that.
1: Yeah, we, we, we toyed around the idea one time, and then we decided that it was, it's just not for us. I had something called me selfish one time. Well, you're selfish. How am I selfish? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, that one I couldn't understand. And it just, it just wasn't in the cards. That's, that that's, that's the bottom line. You must have your hands full with four kids, obviously. I enjoy it tremendously. Good for you, man. Awesome.
0: That's I don't even, even the worst of it doesn't bother me one
1: bit. I can literally see it in your face. How much you love your kids. I mean, I, I can literally, literally see yeah, yeah. It. where are their ages?
0: Eight, six, four, two, one, come up on five and, and fucking comical. I mean, these, <laughs> these kids, I mean, we're having a deep conversation. Um, we're a very comical family, and if you actually start following our social media stuff, you'll see how right. special I am at times.
1: <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that.
0: No, not at all, and I think that's probably what the attraction is. It's authenticity right. uh, from, from I think, what people like the most about street cop training, and um, you know, not everybody loves the things that we're doing, but uh, I certainly remind myself of the importance of the work that we're doing. Absolutely. Even especially right now facing some significant adversities in the business that we're in. Uh, not that we're we're in a detrimental position, but you know, uh when you get bigger and bigger and bigger, eyes begin to focus on you and a lot of scrutiny comes your way. And
1: oh absolutely.
0: Yeah. You have to be able to understand that that comes with the territory and it takes a very stoic mindset to not get fly off the handle. So um, you know, I, I think that we are fortunate enough to have some really fantastic people on this team here at this company awesome. that can navigate some of these rough waters.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And you, know, when you said the bigger you get, you know, it's a, obviously it's a challenge. There's no question about that. There's some jealousy issues that come out, come with that also. Uh, I was with a different organization before I started my, my organization. And uh, you know, I, I oh yeah, you're, you're trying to you know, overtake us or no, I, I've, I want to go a different route. I want to go with a different vision. I'm not, not bad mouthing them by any means, but I want to go to a deal. Oh, you're just trying to put us out of business. No, absolutely not. I'm trying to put that, you know, we're all in this together one way or another, but you're right. The bigger you get, uh, and I, and I, I, I get on a smaller scale. I get that. I'll, I'll be on Facebook and I'm friends with a lot of people on Facebook that do a lot of speaking. And I, I post my, my speaking events and not not for self-proclaimed to get the word out, you know, and, uh, and I'll get a prior message. How'd you get that gig? Would they pay you? You know, you know, stuff like that. Like, dude, we're, we're not in it for that reason. You know, and and I, I'll tell you that that does frustrate me a little bit here and there. It it, it really it really does. Or they'll say, hey, I want you to endorse this, uh, and you know, and, and you know, if we believe that, we will endorse it. I, I, absolutely, we will. Um, but I have no problem saying no. Also, and um, but again, the bigger you get, the the more targets you get. Also, you know, and and that's really sad real
0: strength is found in your ability to here to like this one try to understand and have compassion for those who are judging you and who are angry at you right and then forgiving them knowing that something's kicking their butt so what I say is where is the pain where's mm-hmm. the anger what's causing it what's kicking their butt right that's a that's a powerful place to be um You know, this is not a brag, this is me just, you know, showing how I have relevance to this conversation. Earlier, I said that we know that we're doing good work and that is what pushes me to continue to show up and do the work. Uh, This week was a particularly difficult week for us. And um, maybe people find out why, and maybe people won't find out why, Uh, legal issues, but nothing again, that is of detriment, just silliness being targeted uh because of who we are and what we represent and just it's a headache you know and i don't think it's a headache that's terrible i just yeah we had six headaches last week and i'm like jesus christ and i got the, the information on this on monday night and i'm like come on it's fucking memorial day right can i get break, right, right. okay
1: we show for a second here or what you know yeah
0: so yeah. you know uh, i probably had about five minutes of anxiety and i have to chalk up uh, my my calm nature even more calm now to my meditation practices. Mm -hmm. But what you don't know is that in the past year and change, I've had over 10 police officers reach out to me, whether face-to-face or via message on social media, or an email and say that they decided not to kill themselves because of something that we did or I did. And That's amazing. Well, what happened to me was I didn't know what to say back. I did the best that I could, but I had to ask some mental health professionals, what do I do then? And interestingly enough, somebody that was very close to me opened up to me uh, in a drive in a car and began to tell me his story about suicide. And uh, I said, I have to know, what do you think is the cause of what got you to there? And you already said it, and I wanna bring it to the surface and forewarn people, Maybe it's an early warning warning, so but you have to acknowledge depression and anxiety seem to be a very common thing in people who have attempted suicide or were close enough that didn't do it, but then got to tell me or us about it. So I want to warn people that if they have been diagnosed with depression or anxiety, it doesn't make you any less of a person. But please be aware that your coworkers who do not have that, um, you know, that diagnosis they may be dealing with things very differently than the way you're processing information. It's not your fault, it's just how your brain works. For me, it may appear that I'm very good with a lot of things. And the truth is, I am. It doesn't bother me. But it doesn't mean it's not okay to say that it does bother you. And a lot of times people like me, and there are other people like me, we have a hard time understanding how could it bother you? It doesn't bother me. Right. And vice versa. How come it doesn't bother you mm-hmm. or does it? So it's a good time to express that. It doesn't mean it's every single person, but just be aware that in this profession, it may impact you a hundred times more difficult. It doesn't mean you have to leave. Right. And I think Mark will be better at speaking about this than I am. It just means you have to understand that it's there and you need to be aware of it before it comes and grabs you. How else would you like to piggyback off of that?
1: How I look at it is is um it's it's like cancer. Okay. Nobody wakes up and says, you know something? I want cancer. Nobody wakes up and says that. Or, or I want diabetes or I want, you know, whatever. Okay. Nobody says that. But there are preventive measures. Uh is, is cancer a fatal disease? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. But so is depression, you know, uh, unfortunately. So when you're diagnosed with it or you believe you may have it, um, you, you got you got to hit it head on. You know, you can't say, ah, you know, I'm just having a shitty day and uh, I, tomorrow is another shitty day. So you got to hit it head on. And but but it's not going to it's not you're not going to feel better overnight. You know, that's what you go to the cancer thing for a second. That's what chemo's for. It's a progressive um, treatment. So when it comes to your mental health, you have to have your progressive. Uh, you, have, you have to be progressive with that also. So such as being progressive, such as be willing to go to therapy. Uh, therapy's huge. I, 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 I can be honest with you. I, I enjoy, I enjoy going to therapy. Uh, I, I, I love my therapist. I think she's apt, She's one of the coolest people i ever met in my life, you know, yeah. and, and I'm open, I'm open to medication. You no, know, I'm on medication. Years ago, I was, I will never take that pill. Are you, are you kidding me? There's no way. Uh, but I also I learned also not to self-medicate. Uh, you know, I like my beer. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. You, know, you know, yeah. I, I, I like my bourbon. Yeah, you know, but I'm not gonna tie one on because I'm having a bad day. I'm just gonna drink away my problems. Because, guess what? When you sober up, those problems are still there, you know. And um, so I, I just learned that uh, when when an issue comes into my life, is just hit it head on. If, if, you know, it's like Vanilla Ray says: stop, collaborate, and listen. Yeah, you know. Uh, and what I mean by that is you just look at it, and there's got to be an alternative to what's going on. There's got, there's got to be. It's it's like this. What I talk a lot about this is uh when you when you hang around with toxic people, you're gonna become toxic. Um, you're gonna start picking up on their mannerisms and they they they, they have every right to be pissed off. Absolutely, they have every right to be pissed off. But I used to tell the guys and the girls in the squad being a sergeant was this when you come to me with a problem, also come to me with a solution. Or oh, they won't listen to me. How do you know that, bro? Uh you don't know that. So let's give this a shot. You know, everybody can go to the fetal the fetal position, go in the corner and cry and say, Poor me, poor me. But what's that really getting you? Just self-pity. That's 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 all it's we can get. And the and 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 sometimes things in life happen that you can't control. We get that. We 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 totally get that. But you don't have to dwell on that all the time. Do things that make you happy. You know, like my my happiness is is music. Yeah, you know, I, I I'm not that good at playing music, but I love music. I, if I if I'm having a bad day, I know what song list to put on it, it, it in my Spotify. Uh, I, I'll go I'll go exercise. I'll go for a run. I'll go to the gym. I'll go walk my dogs. Or you know something? I'll just sit there and talk with my wife. Yeah, yeah. I'm retired, but you know I had a shitty day today. You know some people say, "Oh, you're retired. How the hell can you have a shitty day?" Oh, you can. Trust me, you can. But you uh, and and one thing also is you have to take time to make time. And make time to take time and that's 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 so true in so many ways and um you have to be progressive with yourself also if you want to help people and you want to get back on track and all that stuff well guess what you have to put yourself in a good working order also don't put a band-aid on it go for the full tune-up
0: would you say that diet and exercise equals mindfulness
1: oh yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm not big on diet to be honest with you i like to eat yeah <laughs> you know I'm Italian. Yeah, I I I need my pasta. I need my meatballs. I need I need my tiramisu. But I do try to eat somewhat healthy. Yes, uh, I I love going to the gym. G- the gym is actually a stress relief for me. I put my eye my eye uh, earbuds earbuds in, and I crank up my music. I get a good workout, get a good good sweat going. Either know, I'll go run on the treadmill, or I'll go I'll go home and run in the trail, or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Physical health leads to good mental health. Good mental health also leads to good physical health. Absolutely.
0: So it's a, you're saying it's full cycle.
1: Oh, absolutely! It goes right around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No have problem. you
0: ever tried any meditation practices?
1: You know, I, I, a lot of people have have said this to me, and I've tried it.
0: Can I just say oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you there before you say anything. Now you're gonna have to go back. I know what you're gonna say. After we're done here, you're gonna download the Street Cop Trading podcast. You're gonna do the episode where I had Emily Fletcher who wrote the book Stress Less, Accomplish More. She's my meditation coach. She's pretty much probably top three meditation people in the United States, maybe even in the world. And you're going to listen to the first 20 minutes where what you're about to say was explained to by her. And it's going to dismantle your beliefs about meditation. But tell me what happened when you tried to meditate. You want me to take the words out of your mouth before you even say them? Go right ahead. Oh, I had too many thoughts. I couldn't control them. I can't focus. My mind's all over the place. What were you going to say?
1: I can't follow that up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, I said that all my mind was going everywhere. I, I couldn't relax. I, I, That's
0: what's I, supposed to happen,
1: right? Right. What?
0: That's what's supposed to happen. Really? Yeah.
1: Okay. I, I you know, and I did meditation uh, with a buddy of mine. Um, I spoke at his PD in Texas, and they had an hour class of uh, of uh, yoga and meditation. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, you, you got, you got to be kidding me, yeah, you know. And uh, you'll know, stretch out and you know, you know, put your hands out, all that stuff. I'm like, that's stupid. I'm thinking of myself, you know, and I did get, I, I did get some peace from it. Absolutely. And did get some good, good vibes from it and good, a, a good feeling. And to be honest, when I say this, shame on me for not following it up. Yeah. You know, and I start making excuses. Oh, I don't have the time for that. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I, I gotta do this. I gotta do that on and on and on. My wife usually goes to bed earlier than me because she gets up early for work. So there's really no excuse why when I'm downstairs, the house is nice and quiet, that I can't take some time to do that. Yeah. I think
0: we grow the most in those moments where we don't wanna do something, but we do it anyway.
1: That's a good point. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Yep, I, I totally agree with you on that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, meditation is wonderful, and it's no different than exercising. If I waited a minute while well, you did 10, ten sit-ups on the, uh, on the floor next to your desk where you're sitting, and then you lifted your shirt, you would probably not have a six-pack.
1: Right. <laughs> I, I would. But I bet
0: yeah. if, you did, if you practiced it for two years, you'd probably have some significant practice uh, progress in the development of that six-pack. So right. you have to acknowledge what it takes to make something a practice. And for those listening, especially people who are dealing with depression and anxiety and mental health issues, um, it works and it's worth it. Right, right. Well, I, have,
1: I do have my motivation right here. I keep this. I keep this on my desk. This is uh, this is old school wrestling from the '80s. Rick Rude. I know it is. Yeah, and I say, you know, that's my. I want to look like him someday. So, and there's the six pack. That probably never happened. You could probably
0: argue that most of those WWF wrestlers at the time probably right. using some additional anabolic steroids. You think? Yeah, <laughs> a little bit, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I I feel like I look like George Amos Steel versus him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I try to keep myself in pretty decent shape. And I think for the most part, I'm in decent shape. Yeah. You know, uh, but uh, yeah, and, and, you know, and I, 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 but I have to also feel like I have to go in alternative route also, you know, go to the gym and working up a great sweat and being sore afterwards. That's a great feeling. It really is. Sure. Yeah. It's a, it's a good high it's free, you know, that, you know, that, that it's a free high, all that stuff. But everybody I talk to that meditates and, and yoga also, they're like, oh my God, you, you would not believe it. But I, I I always fall back to it. Oh, ah, I, I can't relax. You know, I just rather lay on the couch and you know watch TV or you know something like that. If you have the time to lay on the couch and watch TV, I guess you have the time to meditate. Would be my guess.
0: Listen to this and hear it next time that you decide you don't want to do something. Hey, Mark, get the fuck up. Get <laughs> this shit done. You'll be thankful. You can play right. that over and over again in your head.
1: Right, right, right. That's a that's a typical northern expression. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So
0: so where can we find out about your organization? Social media, websites, give it all.
1: The the, the the name of the organization is protecting the guardian. We do have a Facebook page and we do have a, a website, protectingtheguardian.com. And all anything that you need to know about our organizations on both pages, the uh the website and the um uh the Facebook page, contact information's on there. And uh, somebody reaches out to us, we, we answer very fast, actually, very, very fast. You know, we're not going to leave somebody. In, but I will specify this, if you don't mind. We are not a crisis line. And uh, what, I, what, I, what I mean by that, uh, if you sent an email, if, if an officer or somebody is struggling, uh, we may not see that email for a day or two, if not longer sometimes. We're pretty quick on responding our, to our emails, but we're not a crisis line. But however, on our, on our page, on our website, we do have resources for that, but we're not one that we, we, we don't manage 24 hour hotline, maybe someday that could happen. I wouldn't I wouldn't object to that by any means, but there's a lot of good organizations out there that have the 24 hour hotlines, crisis lines, uh, whatever you want to call them.
0: I see that one person as you're talking on our Facebook this mutual is mutuals, uh, Mario Olivaro.
1: Oh, I love Mario. What a great tell you, man. He's a badass, man. He's a, he's a, he's a badass.
0: They we're having a conference in 2023 probably sounds like cheap plugs. I talk about on every podcast episode, but uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, he's going to be doing a keynote there for us.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I've, never, I've never, yeah, I just wrote a book, right? Not, not, I'd be mean, literally not, not too long, but yeah, yeah. Mario's Oh, Mario's a great guy. love the guy.
0: Hey man, I just want to say that uh, it's been a pleasure meeting you and this is a great podcast and I think a lot of people are going to find extreme value. So through your pain and your struggles, out on the other side comes this thing that people needed. Right. So it happened, you know, for a reason. And the reason wasn't about you. It was about other people. And it's uh, very kind of you to be able to step up and try to help others and admit the things that you admit and talk about the things you talk about. Because I'm sure it's not easy at times. But on behalf of everybody, I just want to say thank you.
1: Well, thank you, brother. Yeah, but let me tell you something. People come into your life for a reason and obviously we connected very well and uh and I and I appreciate what you and your crew does also cuz I've been researching you guys you guys do some amazing work and uh are kind of cut cut the same way we we have that same drive the same attitude and and that's really good cuz you know you want to surround yourself with people that understand you and uh, and what you guys are doing is 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 amazing also it really it really is
0: maybe next time in florida I'll hit up yeah. but you better accept my friend request motherfucker
1: uh, I will, asshole. How's that? Good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I will definitely send it. And let's definitely keep in touch. Absolutely.
0: Hey, brother. Um, I hope this won't be the last time and we'll do this again in the future.
1: Absolutely, man. Yeah. And if you need anything, please reach out, brother. And God bless you, man. And I, I had a great time. Thank you so much.
0: All right, Mark. I'll see you,
1: buddy. Take care, buddy.